time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, inalienable rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty, Leadership, and Lies podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Liberty, Leadership, and Lies podcast. This week, we'll be talking about liberty. First, let me thank my audience and new listeners for downloading or listening to last week's episode on lies. It seems that what I had to say about the shenanigans of the local school board and school district administrators really struck a chord with a lot of you. The early downloads and sharing up until this point have been tremendous, so thank you. As I said at the outset, this week's episode is about liberty. Our liberty, which is that God-given, unalienable, self-evident right. Our liberty is always worth fighting for. If it had not been worth fighting for, our constitutional republic would never exist. However, as we can see, complacency can erode that right. Because what you do not fight for today, your children and all future generations will never get to enjoy. Just as our grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents did not stand up and fight against the unconstitutionally passed 16th Amendment, we are saddled with a government that hates us and only sees us as a means to fund their liberty-destroying agenda. A government that was completely unwilling to spend $20 billion to protect our southern border, yet right now they are tripping over themselves and trying to send twice that amount of money of our sweat equity to another country so they can protect their borders. That 16th Amendment, it gives the federal government the first crack at the income we earn to support our families. With their near instantaneous access to the fruits of our label, they have lost all semblance of fiscal sanity. Our sweat equity, our liberty, is just a plaything to the new aristocracy in Washington, D.C. Also, those same ancestors, but more importantly, the individual sovereign state legislatures, they did not fight against the passage of the 17th Amendment, where the communists further eroded federalism in our constitutional republic. The passage of that amendment weakened the creator of and parent to the federal government, which is the state governments. It now allows the federal government to hold hostage the individual states, and they're holding them hostage with the ammunition provided by the 16th Amendment, our money. Those two failures by our American ancestors to stand in the arena and fight for constitutional principles started our republic on its long march towards the national suicide we are witnessing every day in the news, on the internet, and in social media posts. However, there are many fights we have to engage in before we tackle those two amendments. Obstacles that are thrown in our way that are meant to distract us and keep us divided. These obstacles are put in place by both the communists on the left and the Transpublicans on the right. They are the Uniparty, 
or two sides of the same coin, as I continuously mention. Look, folks, I know this work can be exhausting. And it's on purpose, too. The enemies of liberty need to make it seem like it is too much work to fight for liberty. But anything worth fighting for never comes easy, right? Take, for example, our recent GOP primary elections here in Sevier County. The conservative challengers in those school board races have two paths they can follow. The easy path is the one that says leave these statistically improbable results unchallenged and re-engage another day. That's the easy thing to do, right? Just wait until the next election and they can re-enter the arena to challenge the incumbents once again. Between now and the next election, then go back to living their lives. All the while, the school board will continue to be managed and controlled by people that are purposely introducing divisive, corrosive, and sexualizing curriculum to our county's school children. But yes, that would be easier for the candidates. It would also be easier on those incumbents, too. I do not know what those people, those incumbents, are gaining by supporting such terrible curriculums being forced into these children's heads. But we all know the four reasons behind unethical decisions, don't we? S-P-A-M, spam, sex, power, alcohol, or money. We need to figure out which of those four are behind the decision to either, one, blindly support the school district's choices in curriculum, or two, allow themselves to be controlled by the school district's administration. But like I said, doing nothing about the three different districts with three different vote totals, all coming back with a 76% to 24% win for the incumbent school board members would be the easy thing to do. Challenging those results would be the hard thing to do. And for many reasons as well. Two of the biggest being the sacrifice of time. It will take a lot of personal time to investigate and challenge those results. The second one being the machine these challengers would be going up against. Since these were the Republican Party primary elections, that organization would be the first one to approach to challenge or investigate the results. As many of you are aware, I have very little faith in the National Republican Party and their ability to do the right thing. I have absolutely zero faith that the state Republican Party will do anything in support of liberty. There are many actions these candidates will have to undertake to actually verify that the statistical improbability of those results are actually true. One thing for certain, though, is this. If they do decide to forego the easy route, to get their faces marred with sweat and dust and blood, to strive valiantly, that decision could change our future here in Sevier County and the rest of the state. As I mentioned, this is a difficult choice. The work to restore our nation to its constitutional principles is extremely hard, made all the more so by the obstacles the communists continue to throw in our paths. Also, the work has been made harder by the generations of apathy that have led our nation to this point. While this fight they are in is not mine directly, it is one in which I am a willing ally. I have contacted each of them and offered my assistance. It is a fight that has many fronts, too. Concerned citizens must, and don't get me wrong or think nobody is fighting, but there are citizens, concerned parents and taxpayers, already fighting in this arena. But every citizen must shine a light on the actions of the school board and the school district's administration. This is the body of the government that has the most direct impact on you and I. While I don't have a child in a government school, those days are long gone, 
My tax dollars are being used to indoctrinate a generation of children. I mentioned on the weekend update that I finished reviewing the email communications between the two members of the school district and the company that produces one of the curriculums that parents and taxpayers are concerned about, the social-emotional learning curriculum. And as I mentioned last Saturday, there were some nuggets of interesting information I discovered. As well, what was not contained in any of their emails is telling. That is just one of the fronts in this war to restore truly representative government here in our little part of the world. Look, folks, I'm tired too. It's not easy to travel out of state half of the year for work, commit to a twice-weekly episode for this podcast, get an election campaign running, and still ensure that I've carved out time to spend with my wife and family. Frankly, it is exhausting. In fact, I spend many hours every night after my wife has gone to bed to do the research and reading necessary to bring this podcast to you. Each night, I'm also reading up on campaign election laws, election finance laws, strategies, and on and on and on. I also must find time when I am home to prepare for my multiple week-long engagements with clients that are out of state. I'm not saying all of this to whine or complain or anything of this sort. I'm saying this because I want to let you know it is possible. You can fight for your country in many small ways and still have the time necessary to spend with your family and work to provide a living for them. That brings to mind a great quote that ties into this situation. It comes from Benjamin Disraeli, a two-time Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and a key figure in the creation of England's modern Conservative Party. It goes like this, quote, Action may not always bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action, unquote. Let me tell you all, this action is much harder on me too, ever since my doctor told me to avoid caffeine late last year. Caffeine, chocolate, fried foods, citrus fruits, tomatoes. Just about all of my favorite foods. Thank goodness stank wasn't on the list. I guess living off of Motrin and caffeine for more than 30 years in the Navy can work a number on your guts as you get older. Anyway, here I am, putting in the hours. Because like I said, anything worth fighting for is never easy. And our liberty is definitely worth fighting for. It always has been and always will be. I was reading another great quote the other day. This one comes to us from Ayn Rand, and it also applies to the situation we find ourselves in right now. At least for me it does. It goes like this, quote, The question isn't who is going to let me, it's who is going to stop me, unquote. The only one that can stop me from following my oath to the Constitution of the United States of America is me. Nobody else. The only one that can stop you from fighting for your constitutionally protected God-given rights is you. Nobody else. Of course, the communists, the Uniparty, and their useful idiots and allies will throw obstacle after obstacle in your path, but it is you and only you, just as it is me and only me, that determines if that obstacle will stop us. Do we let the obstacle grind us to a halt and let it force us to accept the conditions the enemy has set for us? Or do we work to get around or over that obstacle and meet the goal? The goal we set for ourselves as well as the goal our founding fathers set for us all as well. Remember that closing line from the Declaration of Independence. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, 
and our sacred honor. These founding fathers, they knew it was going to be hard work. Do you all know what became of those 56 men who signed that document? The men who knew what it would mean to fight for the liberty of our nation? The men who knew it would be hard work. Five of them were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army, and another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. Just what kind of men were they who would, in essence, commit treason to give you and I and nearly 330 million other citizens something that we take for granted every day? 24 of them were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants, 9 were farmers and large plantation owners. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts, and he died in rags. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters. Mr. Nelson quietly urged General George Washington to open fire. His own home was destroyed, and he died bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. These were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing, domestic terrorists, as our current crop of elected officials call patriots today. These men had safety and security, the kind that is promised to us by our government today when they squeeze our sweat equity out of us to invest in projects meant to buy themselves votes or to be delivered as foreign aid to buy themselves influence with foreign nations. These men valued liberty more than security. That's a far cry for most of our country today. Our earliest American ancestors gave you and I a free and independent America, a constitutional republic. History books right now are being rewritten to remove a lot of the information about what happened in the Revolutionary War. Curriculum is being introduced in government schools that serves to erase or rewrite the founding of our nation, to indoctrinate our children in lies, to get them to hate our country. Lies not only about their founding, though, but also about themselves and their identities. Our founding fathers didn't just fight the British. They were British subjects at the time, and they fought their own government. The new aristocracy here today, they have learned the lessons of what King George did wrong and are now using those lessons against us. 
not quick and brutal tyranny of a dictator, but the slow boil of communism. They are weaponizing our own institutions against us. The Federal Bureau of Investigation applying terrorism tags to parents and taxpayers showing up at school boards to protect their children. Meanwhile, warnings about the leftist totalitarian that shot at the grocery store in Buffalo, New York, go unheeded. The FBI's assets must be stretched too thin, investigating upset parents at school board meetings across the nation that another deranged communist slipped through the cracks and killed a bunch of people. This isn't the first time that will happen, and it will not be the last time if the government that hates us actually performed its constitutional duties instead of fighting to erode the liberty of law-abiding citizens. In fact, there's news about the governor of New York investigating why New York's red flag laws, you know, those unconstitutional laws that allow the government to deny a person their constitutionally protected Second Amendment rights, well, the governor is investigating while the People's Republic of New York red flag law did not prevent that leftist lunatic from buying a weapon. The individual in question, which the government's useful idiots in the media are trying to tie to conservatives despite the individual's own words, was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation by the New York State Police about a year before his rampage. He made a claim that he wanted to commit a murder-suicide shortly after graduating from high school last year. This should have put him on the communist government's red flag law watch list and prevent him from buying a weapon. The governor is wondering how he slipped through the cracks. Well, Madam Governor, if your state and the federal government weren't going after law-abiding citizens with unconstitutional lockdowns, mandates, and targeting parents at school board meetings as terrorists, you might actually have the time and resources to look at the lunatics on the left that seem to commit a majority of these crimes. Then there's this after-incident action by both the state and federal government. There was literally an almost identical supermarket shooting on March 22nd of last year. Not a lot of press coverage on that one after it was discovered the shooter was a Muslim man. No presidential visit to that community suffering from gun violence. How about the Christmas parade massacre in Waukesha on November 21st of 2021? No presidential visit to the community after a racially motivated attack on innocent people there. Or the communities that suffered four mass shootings just last month. No presidential visits to those communities or... Media useful idiot coverage. I wonder why, ladies and gentlemen. Always, always ask the why. Because the perpetrators in those other incidents do not match the narrative of white supremacy domestic terrorism. Now, the Buffalo shooter is a Caucasian man, but there's a problem. This dude is a leftist, an anti-Christian crackpot. His manifesto was available all over the internet until his leftist leanings were apparent for the world to see. Now the useful idiots in media and big tech have done their best to remove it or hide it or suppress it. In it, this lunatic states that he falls in the mild, moderate, authoritarian left category of the political compass. Weird. That is the same as just about every member of the Democrat Party that serves in elected office today. But anyway... Enough on that strange, deranged communist, though. I prefer to watch the leftists eat their own, and will do so in this situation. But how the government and their useful idiots in the media react to the shooting as compared to others recently, it is quite apparent they are pushing the false narrative of white supremacist domestic terrorism to further divide the country. 
Let's get back to liberty or our liberties. We have taken these liberties that were secured for us by our founding fathers, granted for far too long now, and it needs to stop. We owe it to those early Americans to defend liberty. We most definitely owe it to our future generations to preserve it. The battles to preserve our liberty not only take place in our towns and our cities, but our counties and our states as well. We need to start securing victories in those places so that we can restore the proper role or proper relationship between the individual states and the federal government that is supposed to work for them and not the other way around. Believe it or not, here in Tennessee, the Trans-Publican General Assembly did do a little work in the area of protecting our children from obscene material being introduced in government schools. House Bill 2454 and its companion, Senate Bill 2292, redefined obscene to include material that had educational value. There are some other items in the bill that Governor Lee signed into law on the 5th of May, such as making changes to the Internet Acceptable Use Policy local education agencies are required to adopt, and it puts into place requirements governing providers of digital and online resources. It will be interesting to see if it applies to purchases already made or only to future curriculum purchases. I'll have to dig a little bit into that. But in our current fight, we'll have to see if it applies to the Epic Library app that many parents here in Sevier County have found contains offensive material. There is also more news about the Tennessee Titans Stadium. Nashville Mayor John Cooper recently published an op-ed in defense of his position for public funding of that stadium. Before we get into the meat of his op-ed, we must take issue with the premise of public funding for any stadium, for any private organization. Regardless of the revenue it may or may not produce, is the same opportunity afforded to every single private business in the state? Of course not. It is the government playing favorites, picking winners and losers in the free market through its taxing power, through its wielding of the club of our sweat equity. Taxing power that is being abused for the benefit of a private company and a select few individuals. I realize that the city of Nashville is run by communists, but are there no liberty-loving constitutionalists in Nashville's government and the General Assembly anymore? I think we all know the answer to that. But back to Commie Mayor Cooper's op-ed. In presenting his case, he did not include any numbers on how much the city plans to contribute to a dome stadium that has an estimated cost of $2 billion. That includes the $700 million city investment. Noted Kennesaw State University economist J.C. Bradley is not alone when he stated that the lack of details in the mayor's argument is concerning. Transparency seems to be a universal problem at the city and state level in Nashville. There's a lot of financial gimmickry involved in Mayor Cooper's funding numbers. When Comrade Cooper stated, and I'm quoting here, under no circumstances will property tax or sales tax increases pay for stadium construction or future stadium maintenance or renovations, unquote. But the key word in that was increases. By sliding the word increases into a statement, he is giving himself and the rest of the communists an out. The government of Nashville can increase sales and property taxes for other stated reasons, probably because all of the general funds under the current rates of those taxes will be sucked up by the new stadium's construction. It all goes back to the point that under no circumstance 
should taxpayers be on the hook for any private company infrastructure. There's also the weird timing between the release of the Titans numbers on the cost of renovating the current stadium, which would have been around a billion dollars, which was followed up quickly by plans and pictures of a new stadium. This leads us all to believe that a new stadium was the plan all along because those things don't move that quickly. Tennesseans are getting desensitized to being used by private companies here lately. First, it was Ford and its Blue Oval City near Memphis, costing the taxpayers nearly a billion dollars. Then Ford turning around and doing the community dirty by selecting labor union contractors for the construction from its home state of Michigan. Then the General Assembly created two different classes of citizens with regard to the Biden administration's mandatory vaccination requirements. Now the NFL and the Tennessee Titans are taking advantage of the taxpayers. Soon, every company around the nation is seeing how quickly the communists and transpublicans in Nashville will sell out the liberties and sweat equity of fellow Tennesseans, and they're just wondering how soon they can get in on the fleecing. Not only does our federal government hate us, our state government is in lockstep with them. Even local government bodies, too, like school boards all around the state. There seems to be another county here in Tennessee that is even more blatantly trying to sexualize our children. News out of Giles County, Tennessee last week is right in your face about what they are trying to do to kids. Giles County is in Middle Tennessee, west of Chattanooga. Students at Elkton Elementary School in Giles County were sent home with packets last week that contained a brochure about puberty that was aimed at 5th graders. 5th graders, ladies and gentlemen. 10 and 11-year-old children. These brochures were sponsored by Old Spice and Always. And page 18 of the brochure was entitled Sex, Gender, and Society. Let me read to you some of the information that was on that pamphlet. It reads in part, Let's start with a few definitions. Biological sex. Your biological sex is based on the genitals you were born with and the chromosomes you have. At birth, most people are either male or female. It goes on with gender identity. This is about how you feel about how you think about yourself when it comes to gender. Everyone's gender identity is unique to them and should be respected. Gender roles and stereotyping. These are socially constructed. They relate to characteristics and behaviors that are typically thought to go alongside a person's biological sex. They can often stereotype boys and girls. You might have started to notice that people expect you to look, act, and behave in a certain way just because you're a boy. We call this stereotyping. All of that and more was in this brochure sent home with 10 and 11-year-old children. Why is this tolerated? What teacher thought that this was a great idea? After this brochure came to light and was brought to the attention of the school, the district came out with the following statement. The Giles County School System would like to make a statement regarding the social media post concerning inappropriate material sent home yesterday. This material was shared at one school to 12 students. It was not a district-wide distribution or decision. So, even if it was sent home with one kid, it's a problem. It continues. While the intention was to offer a hygiene packet to these students, the included literature was overlooked and its additional content not vetted by the Giles County School System or the Giles County School Board. 
This inappropriate pamphlet would not have been shared or distributed had it been properly reviewed by the school administrators. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Since we cannot retract this information, we can, however, assure you that no other students will be recipients of this type of material. Appropriate and necessary action has been taken to correct this situation and prevent any recurrence. We sincerely apologize for any misrepresentation or distraction to the purpose of this school district, which is and will always be the education of our children. End of statement. Do you now see why citizens must closely watch these school boards and these school districts? There will be the rogue teacher working in schools that will do things like this on purpose. Here comes my phrase again, people. This isn't rocket science, folks. These people are evil and they just want to diddle our kids. The first step in eroding our liberty is to create a generation of people that have been indoctrinated with garbage like this in government schools. This is the arena we must all fight in first. In closing this week, I would like to leave you all with this from God's Word. This week it comes to us from Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Standing in the arena in defense of our liberty will be hard work and will require a lot of sacrifice. But it is definitely worth the sacrifice. Not only for ourselves, but more importantly for our children. We all have the ability to put on the full armor of God in fighting these battles for our liberty. Our liberty, which is a God-given, inalienable, self-evident right. We can win these battles with sacrifice and effort. We must stand firm. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.